The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast on GoBalls247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker. May the 4th be with you. I am not a big Star Wars fan and not super nerdy, JKJK, to those who love Star Wars. Uh, so not sure why I let off with May the 4th be with you. But to all those who celebrate, I hope you enjoyed your uh, May the 4th day because we have certainly seen plenty of it on social media all day long. And I think that's why I went there is because I just got done seeing more of it. Wes Rucker seems like a may the fourth be with you uh, type of guy. Wes, how are you, my friend? I'm doing all right. I actually always preferred uh, like the Marvel stuff and also Lord of the Rings probably to uh, to to Star Wars stuff. I, I like it. I'm not like obsessed with it. Like I like it more than I like the Harry Potter stuff for sure. But um you know, it's uh, but may the fourth be with everyone else, and uh, may the fourth be with uh, my mother-in-law who has had uh, shoulder replacement surgery this week, and may she feel better soon because I have basically had uh, my son by myself all week, and uh, I got to tell you, uh, four or five days of this, and I already been, I'm thinking that what I knew before, but now I know even more. The single parents out there, I have no idea how the hell they do it. They are they are God's warriors, man. Like they are unbelievable. The people, four days of this, and I'm like crying. So uh, yeah, that's uh, may the fourth be with. I guess me also. Yes, may may the fourth be with you for for that reason. I agree. I like Star Wars, just not a a diehard Star Wars fan, and certainly feel you on the the dad front. I, I conduct daddy daycare. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm thankful when two o'clock rolls around and the wife rolls in from work. I, I'm very thankful when that time, uh, rolls around. And, uh, I know a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are very thankful for the way that Tennessee baseball has been playing. And, and first and foremost, I apologize that we are putting out this podcast on May the 4th. You can blame me. I have been sick practically from... Saturday and until I felt better on Wednesday, but that, that was kind of my first day of, of feeling better. I, I started feeling crappy coincidentally during the final game against Mississippi State and uh, just was not not in in the correct frame <laughs> to 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 put out a podcast. So apologize for for the delay. I was I was under the weather and uh, could not do much more about that, but do apologize, but do have plenty to discuss Wesley, because Tennessee, uh, pretty, pr- pretty well spanked Mississippi State, pretty good uh, over the weekend. Tennessee now won seven straight baseball games. Uh, they've now won, or I should say, eight straight baseball games. I apologize, eight straight games, six straight SEC games, and uh, starting to turn the corner they have a big weekend this weekend at georgia and we'll certainly get into that before we get out of here tonight but before we do that do want to go back and and talk about some things about the mississippi state series uh west just a a general thought i didn't think tennessee played all that well in game one and and game two mississippi state's lineup is good there's no doubt about that Uh, i said going in that i thought that tennessee needed to sweep for this to be a successful weekend and it didn't really have anything to do with Mississippi State's lineup because Mississippi State's lineup is 1,000% SEC worthy. It's just that pitching staff is absolutely atrocious. And you saw that this past weekend. You saw that on Monday or Tuesday when the pitching coach was fired. That that validates that thought process. Uh, so that's why I thought Tennessee needed to sweep. They did that. I, I wasn't super... Uh, 
enthusiastic about how they played game one and game two. The bats were fine. They did what they were supposed to do. And we'll get to the positive here in a moment. Uh, but the, the pitching maybe not as, as good as it could have been. Uh, and maybe a little bit of uh, lackadaisicalness, if, if that's a word, on the defensive side as well. Yeah, you know, what I liked, Ben, was that Tennessee had to play three games and on three days against a, a team that's at least dangerous. And uh, a team that didn't win the national title two years ago hadn't done much right since, but but still has some players in that program, some really, really talented players. I think it has really some talented pitchers too. Like I'd like to see some of the, the, the spin rate numbers and stuff because the velocity is good. Like the stuff looks pretty good from that group. It just can't locate, you know, it leaves, you know, walks too many guys, leaves pitches over the fat part of the plate. Um, but what I liked about Tennessee in that series was three different ways of winning the three different games. Um, you, you had to do the the first game. You had to kind of, you know, you, you, were, you, were, you were losing it, came back, kind of got it done. You know, you, or actually that was the first game was the 7-1, or was that the second game? I, I don't want to get them confused. That was the, the first game. Over. Yeah, yeah, the first game up 7-1. They're cruising. State comes back, kind of whittles away, whittles away, ties it, and then boom, walk it off. Second game, uh, start poorly. Dolander. Go down 3 nothing in the first yeah, inning. Dolander, who apparently made you sick, apparently, with the, with the way that he <laughs> pitched and his illness on Saturday, you know, didn't play well, and you had to pick him up, eventually scratch, claw, come back and win. And and then in the finale, just, you know, took care of business, just looked like, you know, the way you should have maybe earlier in the weekend because Drew Beam is the, – the amount of people questioning him is starting to go down because he's starting to, to really, really look pretty solid again. And I just like that – you know, even when you're on a winning streak and when you're playing well, like you're never playing perfect baseball, like it doesn't exist. You're going to have games where you don't have your best and you just have to win, right? You just have to get in there, take some punches, throw some punches back at the end of nine innings or 12 innings or whatever it is. You got to have more runs than the other team. And Tennessee found a way to come back and win when it didn't have its best stuff. You know, I, I liked the the toughness and, and learning the way this team has sort of learned how to win. Uh, because when you're winning a lot, you're usually winning in different ways. You're not just doing what Tennessee did last season and beating everybody's brains out most of the time. Like, they're having to scratch and claw for some of these, and they're getting it done, and I like that. Because if you want to win in the postseason, Ben, you're going to have to do that at some point. I completely agree. Uh, and, and I mentioned a moment ago when I, I brought up the negatives of of Game 1, Game 2, and and not to... I don't want to make it more than it is or or more make it seem like yeah, I am really hanging my hat on it. Uh, it. It wasn't the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. I, I just do think that there's a, I don't know about significant gap between Tennessee and Mississippi State. There, there probably is, but at minimum there is a gap between the two teams, and I don't know that that necessarily revealed itself uh, in, in game one and game two, I, I thought this series would would go more like game three did. Not not in the sense of run rule them every single day, uh, because it's SEC baseball that that is not going to happen. Um, but I, I was disappointed in in how Tennessee allowed Mississippi State to to come back in that game one. Griffin Merritt talked about it himself. Uh, saying that, and he had just absolutely terrific quotes uh, on Friday night. Like he always does. That, yes, Griffin Merritt, best quote on, on the team uh, this season. Uh, but, you know, you jump out to a big lead. Things are going really well. Uh, the, those first couple of innings when they did jump out to a 7-1 lead, like that's how I thought that the the series was, was going to go. Um, it, it's just domination, quite frankly. Uh, I, I thought Tennessee's pitching would be able to keep the Mississippi State lineup in check, and it, it did for the most part. Um, Chase Dolander, we we can talk about that. I, I I don't necessarily fault him for his poor start because he was sick. Uh, if if anything, I, I question the decision making to allow him to to start. And there were uh, many be- many decisions in that game, Ben, pitching wise that I didn't get. Just didn't. Yeah, th- there were and. Tony and I had a, a nice uh, back and forth. We'll, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But the Griffin Merritt quote uh, after the game 
that he walked off, Griffin Merritt continuing to play hero uh, for Tennessee baseball uh, because Tennessee allowed Mississippi State to come all the way back and tie the game because they, they got a little bit too comfortable uh, too soon. And Griffin Merritt, after the game, said, when you shoot a deer and it's bleeding out, don't give it another reason to get up and start running. We had them 7-1 and kind of mouthed off a little bit and maybe put some life into them. Just execute and keep your mouth shut and let them die. What what a what a terrific quote. And uh I mean that he was spot on. There was an instance I believe he was referencing with Cal Stark in, yeah. in which Tennessee got a, a Mississippi State player out and Cal Stark maybe chirped at the person and in fairness to Cal Stark. Ooh, Cal Stark was, chirping? No. Yeah. Which that's why they like him behind the plate. They they like the energy that he brings behind the plate and, and the confidence and the camaraderie that he has in the pitchers and, and with the pitchers and also the, the wear and tear limiting that on Jared Dickey. That, that's why they like that tandem. But uh, and, and to be fair to Cal, don't know what was said to him prior. If something outrageous was said to him, I don't have a problem with him saying something back, uh, to be quite honest. But. And it's not really fair to have this conversation without the the complete details, but did chirp at him. We'll we'll just go off what we know. Chirped a a little too soon, and that kind of sparked Mississippi State, gave them some life, and they made a run. Uh, Hunter Hines runs into a Chase Burns fastball in the top of the ninth inning to to tie the game, and then Christian Merritt uh, leads off the bottom of the ninth with a a walk-off homer. So uh, I thought Tennessee played well for the most part in that game. It's just I I thought that they had a – a relapse, I guess you could say, in terms of the the new focus and edge that we've seen them play with. They, they had a, a lapse in judgment for kind of the first time in a while, and then I thought that was disappointing. Not not something outrageous or, or super terrible, um, but I, I I thought that they didn't necessarily handle the lead the way that they should have. No, they they didn't, and you know, my thoughts on that game are a little bit complex because. I liked the pitching decisions in that game. I, I thought the problem is there are just times where, especially in that ballpark, no lead is ever completely safe in that park. Like you have to keep scoring runs because on a night like that, when the ball's flying like that, uh, you can, and not that Mississippi State's home runs were, were what I would call the Lindsey Nelson variety. I mean, Hunter Hines, <laughs> that, that thing still hasn't landed. My God, that was a rocket. Um, not not quite the rocket that the, the BC dude hit earlier this year, like the 481 or whatever it was. But, you know, it, it was in that ballpark, it kind of gets, it's not like it's slow-pitch softball or anything, but if you've ever you know, seeing like some of that high level, like the men's slow pitch softball stuff, like where you'll just see a score that's like 20 to five. And then all of a sudden it's like 22 to 20, like things in that park can get sideways on you quickly. And all it took was just a couple of missed spots, a couple of good swings from Mississippi state. And all of a sudden that, that game is tied. And it felt like Tennessee was just kind of like, eh, eh, that's one. Yeah. Okay. That's two. And eh. Oh God, this thing is tied. And it just kind of it creeps up on you, and and then it can happen quickly. Like it, it's like an avalanche, right? It starts slow, and then it just builds and builds and builds, and all of a sudden you're having to wrestle back the lead. And and I think that happened a little bit. I don't know uh, if if anything that that Cal Stark said or didn't say fired them up, but I mean, ball don't lie. Like as soon as he said that, like they started, you know, a couple runs here, a couple runs there, swing there, swing there, and and, and you know if if you're down. If you're only up one run and you got a guy like Hunter Hines in the box with what 21, 22 bombs this year, like you're, you, you make one mistake. Even if you chase Burns, you you put a fastball in a, in a place where he can get his bat around on it. That thing's gone in that park, and it happened. Yeah. It, it certainly did. Um, so the game one, game two wasn't the prettiest baseball, but kind of the thing that you're hitting on, and, and what I liked the most this weekend was. This team continues to battle through adversity. Yeah. I, I think that's the most important takeaway from this past weekend is like, yeah, they jumped out to a lead and they let Mississippi State crawl back into it. And Mississippi State hits a game tying home run in the ninth inning. And Tennessee didn't flinch at all. Uh, ab- absolutely handled that well. And, and then on Saturday, uh, to get the negative out of the way first before we talk about the positive, uh, we talked about Chase Dolander being sick. Uh, I tip my hat to him for for trying to gut through it, be there for his teammates. That's what you love to see from 
from any player in in any sport uh, trying to to gut through whatever they're dealing with from an injury standpoint. And, and Chase Dolander tried to do that. I thought he ran into some bad luck there in that first inning. Uh, the the home run that Dakota Jordan hit was absolutely crushed. There, yeah. There's no bad luck about <laughs> that Dakota Jordan home run. If you're Dakota Jordan, he he squared that bad boy up. Absolutely crushed it. It would have left any yard. Yeah. Where the bad luck comes into play is what put the runners on was a little bloop single and an infield single. Like Chase Dolander didn't really make bad pitches. They, they it was just baseball being baseball and running into some bad luck on the the two back to back singles. Which again, one was a blooper into the outfield and the other one was an infield single. And I I really he only lasted three innings. I, I if I remember correctly. And the the stat line, I think, looks worse than what it is, especially when you consider that he was legitimately sick. Again, we saw him when we were leaving the batting cages post game for media, walked right by him, asked him how he was doing. He sounded like death and he looked like death. He, he did not seem like somebody who needed to, to to start that game. And despite being under the weather, uh, I, I don't think that his stat line – I don't think he pitched as bad as his stat line looked. He, he had two bad pitches all night, I thought, and they were the two home runs that he gave up. Xander Seacrest does a good job of coming in uh, and and pitching a one, two, three, fourth inning, and that's kind of where the the questionable decisions come into play. Yeah. Comes back out for the fifth, uh, and with two lefties coming up, Zeke Seacrest got put on the bench, and I, I just didn't make sense. To me. Yes, it, it's interesting, um, and. I asked Tony about it post game and I I don't know that I agree with the move but what I'll say Wes is at least there is an answer there is a thought process to what the move was they like they brought in Bryce Jenkins what was there one runner on two runners on no he he came in to start the inning that's right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay, because Zechrist went one, two, three, and then they had the two big lefties coming up to start the next inning. I thought, oh well, Zechrist is rolling. That's good. You can keep him on the mound for those two lefties, and then go to Jenkins or whoever you're going to go to, or Sewell yes. or whoever it's going to be. And and I tend to to you know fall back. I, I've watched this twice with the Yankees this week. Uh, Domingo Herman is absolutely cruising, pitching into the ninth inning for the Yankees. And because they they don't want him to go through the lineup a third time, they pull him with one out in the ninth inning because a, a bloop single falls. And then they, they bring in Clay Holmes, who can't find the strike zone. And, and then all of a sudden, it's a tie baseball game because of these new analytical graphs that, that everybody's looking at. And I, I do have some, like, analytics are good. I'm not saying that they're not. Like, it, it is a great, great, great resource. I just don't think that you can solely rely on the analytics, and I'm more so speaking to the Yankees, not Tennessee, but I, I have a little bit of old-school baseball in me, like, okay, th- yeah, I know what the analytics say, but this guy's looked awesome all night, has the hot hand, let him let him go. Let, let him see if he can get out of the jam, and that's kind of how I felt with Xander. Let him go in those instances, but I will say, Wes, at least there was a logical thought process. They like Bryce Jenkins' wipeout pitch, more yeah. than Xander's. It's a good, it's a good uh, they, breaking they ball. Bryce, it is. It's a good breaking they, ball. They think that breaking ball, I believe it's a curveball that Bryce Jenkins has, they think that's a better strikeout pitch than what Xander has to offer. And Bryce has been good against left-handed hitters, great against left-handed hitters this season. Don't know how he compares to Xander. Uh, unfortunately, college baseball is not like Major League Baseball. We don't have splits. Uh, We'd have to go where, back and do them manually, and it would take a long yes. time. Yes. Uh, so we don't have s- splits available for us. I imagine Xander's been good against lefties uh, all year, but don't know how they compare against lefties. But Bryce is good against lefties, and uh, they view him as having a better wipeout pitch. So I would have left Xander in, but I also do understand the thought process that they were rolling with. Yeah, I understand. Uh, and I. There, I'm not going to say his name because he uh, it was an off-the-record conversation, obviously, but a former Tennessee player kind of blew me up after the game was like, what was he doing with that pitching move? I'm like, I don't know. You probably have his number. You text him. like He might give you a better answer than he gives me, man. Um, but just laughing. But 
you know, they, they have these access to these charts now, and I know Tennessee fans are going to be triggered when they hear the word chart, but I mean, you have these analytics, you have these things that show you, okay, this, this, this wipeout against this left-handed bat, his swing plane, this makes sense. Like the, you, you, you get those arguments like MLB teams do it all the time now when they talk about swing planes against certain types of pitches and pitchers, and that's when, how they platoon guys up. And, you know, I, sometimes it's just like, you got two lefties coming up to start the inning. You got a lefty on the mound who's looked great, maybe as well as he's ever pitched for Tennessee in that that previous inning. Just leave him on the mound until he screws up. Just just let him go out there and 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 you got a three game series to play over the weekend. Let him go out there and if he's getting outs, man, stick with him. But I don't question at all the the move to go to Dolander because I, it, it's like there are certain guys on every team, right? It's like, and I'm not saying that that Chase Dolander is is you know. Michael Jordan, but I'm saying like he's the Michael Jordan sort of of that team. He's going to be come off the board early. You know, he's a, he's a leader. He's a guy who's going to be taken really early in the draft. He's a very good player, probably going to pitch for this game in this game for a long time, make a lot of money. They know him. If he says, give me the damn ball, give him the damn ball. He's your guy. And if he's not at his best, okay, get him out of the game. But I, I don't question the decision at all to let Chase Dolander decide, you know, if he comes to you aggressively and says, I'm pitching, then you let him pitch. And then if it doesn't work out, you, you go move him. But So I, I don't question that, but um, it's just a couple of those things that it's the easiest thing in baseball to question, right? It, it's did this pitcher need to come off? Did this pitcher need to come into the game? Was this the right move? It's like the easiest thing for those of us who are just covering the game or those of us just watching the game. It's the easiest thing for us to Monday morning quarterback. And, and you're not going to get all those decisions right. And I think you give Vitella credit for coming out and saying, yep, I didn't do that right. My teammates, my, my guys backed me up, and I'm glad they did because I, I put them in some bad spots tonight. That's what you want your coach to say. And they ended up winning the game. So all's well that ends well. But, you know, I, if Dolander wants the ball, give him the ball. I got no problem with that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, and, again, you love that Dolander had that mindset of give me the ball. Let, let me try to fight. Uh, for my teammates, and, and I know you'll agree with this, not not saying this to contradict or, or disagree what you just said, but all, all, even if a player says that, you do still have a responsibility as a coach to a certain extent yes. to, to to make sure that it is the right decision. Uh, and He was hitting 98 in the first inning, so his, his, he was. his strength and, and was Like there. I said, he, he looked fine. Like Again, he, he gave up, he had two bad pitches in in three innings. Uh, the, the bloop single, the infield single, those weren't bad pitches. That that was just bad luck is is what that was. And then Dakota Jordan got a hold of a bad pitch that was square over the, the middle of the plate. So even with him being sick, I, I didn't think he necessarily pitched uh, poorly. But again, like we just talked about with game one, what you love about game two is, is that they battled through that adversity. Uh, and, you know, the, the pitching change, while I don't necessarily – uh, agree with it, and I would have rode with Xander. Like I, I'm never gonna go too hard on a, on a coach that has logical has a logical thought process. They know they know their team better than we do, most likely. Like it's it's yes. okay for us to question decisions because that's our job. You know, we're not doing it if we don't. You know what I'm saying? But they know their guys, man. Yes, they they absolutely do. Um, but I'm not gonna. But my point is that like there are coaches who post game will not give an explanation for the move that they made. Uh, and I guess that's technically their their right to, but I, I think you have far more to lose when when you don't give an explanation. And uh, Tony is not one to shy away from his decision-making. And, and in fact, he, he made light of the situation. I asked him about the, the pitching decisions, and, and he joked with me, that I thought we were buddies. That yeah, that was his. That might be on the intro of this podcast at some point. I'm, I'm I've got that one saved. I'm going to put it in the 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 the, the file here, and it, it might be in there at some point. Yes, that that definitely needs to be in the intro. But Tony doesn't shy away from it, uh, and, and I, I'm not going to criticize a coach. I'm not saying that you are, but uh, I'm not going to criticize a coach that a doesn't shy away from giving an explanation, and b gives a logical explanation. I, I probably would not have made that move, but at least, and I think as a fan, you have to feel good about the fact that, okay, yeah, it may not have been the best decision, but at least the coach had a logical thought process behind the decision sure. that he made. He just wasn't throwing darts at the board. And, and I know that seems really simple, 
But I think Tennessee fans, if anybody, should know that there aren't coaches who who think logically, uh, especially on the football field. But you you love the adversity that they battled through. Uh, Those pitching decisions led to to Tennessee uh, trailing Mississippi State 7-2. State jumps out to a 7-2 lead uh, after after those pitching changes. And and it kind of all stemmed from Dolander being sick, which is nobody's fault. Uh, but just did kind of throw things off. Uh, but they battled adversity, and, and I tweeted this in the first inning when Dakota Jordan hit that three-run home run. I was like, the bad news is Dakota Jordan just hit a three-run home run in the first inning off of Chase Dolander. The good news is it's the bottom of the first inning, and Mississippi State's pitching is terrible, and and that played out because Tennessee closed the game on a 10-1 to run to win game two, 12-8. The bats were terrific. The second half of the game, Blake Burke steps up after uh, a critical error that allowed Mississippi State to to score a run. Absolutely pisses on a ball to center field. 115 off of the bat on an absolute rope. I'm surprised the batter's eye in center field did not fall over. Uh, But the offense was good the second half of the game in that game two win. And Camden Sewell was absolutely fantastic out of the bullpen. Yeah, he he was he was Ben, and, I, and I'm I'm glad, really glad you mentioned his name because I meant to mention his name earlier in this podcast and didn't do it. And I'm glad that you did that because he and Drew Beam both were guys who uh, at Arkansas just had nightmare situations that you don't want to have as a baseball player, but sometimes you do as a pitcher. You just have games like that, and to bounce back the way those guys have um that's that shows you a little bit about who those guys are um they 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 were absolutely fantastic over over this weekend and and they they've been they 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 showed you kind of what they're made of by stepping up and and responding the way they have and that game 3 win was just absolute domination and more along the lines of of how I thought the series would go i i did recognize that mississippi state has a has a really nice lineup. I, I've said that multiple times, but uh, again, I, I just don't think that Mississippi State team uh, is, is good. And I realize that people on the Mississippi State side of things want to sit here and say that it, it was about uh, Mississippi State not executing. I, I don't, I don't know how you could watch this weekend and, and not realize that there is a gap uh, between the two teams. But that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, and, and from their standpoint, they're also not wrong. Like you, you look at. Mississippi State's pitching and think that if they had an average pitching staff, they do probably win. But their stuff is good. One. The stuff is good. Like it's not like they're throwing beach balls up there. Like their stuff is good. It's just it's weird that it's they're getting hammered the way they are. Yeah, they just have real bad depth issues uh, because of injuries, uh, and obviously there is a, a some form of disconnect uh, amongst the coaching staff. I had a a I was talking. Well, I overheard one of the players say that that they could see the the Mississippi State coaches arguing w- with one another uh, in the midst of the game. So that that tells you a lot. And all you need under to know, pressure, like, man. From they're, they're under pressure, man. They're under pressure. From a Mississippi State perspective, West, like you do understand their fans saying, like, if we had a an average pitching staff, they, they probably do win. Game one and game two, because Tennessee did not play clean baseball for for, for good chunks uh, of that game. They they did jump out to a nice lead over State in game one, but kind of fumbled it away because they got a little too cocky too early. Um, so I I can understand kind of yeah. what the the state side is is saying from that perspective, but to to make it seem like Tennessee is a bad baseball team, I, I just don't understand how you can say that if, if this was a, a one off. And like it is still technically a small sample size. It's two weekends, but I, I just don't know that that's a fair thing to say when they just got done sweeping number four Vanderbilt. Yeah, what Tennessee still has to prove, and and this is obviously going to be a huge part of the second segment, is that it can take this show on the road um, because you know at some point this season there's going to be really big games like win or go home games, and they're not going to be at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, and Tennessee is going to have to show that it can have that kind of resolve and w- without having the, the the big orange army kind of behind it right like that that's that's a big deal and, and Tennessee is a different team at, at home right now which it just, it just is and, and I think that's 
Um, and I understand because if you're if you're from Mississippi State side, you just look at that roster and you look at that record, and that that should not be the case. Like there's too much talent on that team. That lineup is not just good; it's really good. There are parts of that lineup that are really. I mean, those dudes can flat out rake it. I'm not sure how many dudes in this league I would lead. I would like want to pitch to less than I would want to pitch to Hunter Hines. And he's not the only thump in that lineup. There's other thump in that lineup. But but that dude in particular, I just he would be on the Mount Rushmore right now of guys in college baseball I do not want to throw the baseball to um, because he's fantastic. And and they've got athleticism, the 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 they've got, you know, strength. And the pitching staff has stuff. Like it's not even the guys that were coming in later, like only one or two of them, I was like, nah, that's kind of a crappy arm. You know, the stuff wasn't the other guys, like their stuff, like the talent is there. I, I, we don't see the RPMs and all that other stuff and, and the PFX numbers and all that. So maybe they're throwing flat stuff, but they've got, they've got some petrol in the tank. Like they can throw it. Um, but, you know, if I were them, I'd be mad at the world too because you, you have, uh, you're coming off a national championship two years ago. You've got the best stadium in all of college baseball, in my opinion. Uh, you've got a program where there's a, there's a tradition of, of winning pretty pretty solidly there with a lot of good players who play for a long time in Major League Baseball. Even in the SEC, they should be you should expect more than what you've gotten from them. So yeah, if I were them, I'd be mad at the world too, and I would be blaming myself before I looked at you know anybody else. So I understand that, but I I think people need to understand that maybe going into the season we overrated what Tennessee could be. Off out of the gate, maybe we did that. Maybe Tennessee just played bad. I, I don't know what the answer is there. We'll see in the long run. But people who kind of fell off the, the the bus here with this team, I think, have missed the point that the talent is there. The talent has been there. And if this team flips that switch, it's still one of the best teams in the country. I firmly believe that there are flaws on this team. It is not as good as last year's team. The offense just is not the same. But there's plenty of talent in that offense. And now that the offense is getting there to couple it with that pitching, all of a sudden you got a team that's going to be hard to eliminate in the postseason. So I I, I, I don't agree with what they were thinking uh, down there in Starkville, but I do understand it. Yeah, and <laughs> they fired their coach, pitching coach, on, on Tuesday or Monday, whatever day it was after – uh, the weekend and and it seems like it was a move to to save Chris Lamonis's job. Yeah. And game three was was much more of an accurate representation of the difference in, in the two teams, in my opinion. Tennessee just flat out dominated Mississippi State in the series finale, winning thirteen to two. Uh, the offense was was awesome. They hit four home runs. Christian Moore hit two of them. They hit three three run homers. Christian Scott hit a three run shot which was really fun to see he's he's playing great baseball uh if you don't think he's a good baseball player i i don't i don't know what to tell you his numbers may not pop off the the stat sheet but he he is a, a great defender a great base runner just wait to see where he gets drafted. yeah wait till wait till he gets drafted next year high iq player he's been swinging the bat really well like christian scott is a a, a good baseball player uh and, and tony vitello's never wavered on him and, and kudos for tony for that and, and Wes had a nice write-up over the weekend that i encourage you to go back and, and find if you can and have time uh, it, it was a nice write-up of of c c scott and and why tony has stuck with him over the years um but c scott playing uh, uh at, at a high level right now and a big reason why tennessee has turned things around so uh, he helped spark the offensive outing in that game three win and, and then drew beam was terrific uh on the mound and that's now uh two out of the the last three outings in, in which he has been absolutely fantastic uh struggled at arkansas but what was terrific against vanderbilt and was terrific against uh mississippi state this past weekend but this upcoming weekend which begins tomorrow here in a couple of hours actually uh, will be just as important of a weekend for different reasons. And although it's late in the season, there's only three weekends left to play. I still feel like there's a, a good amount of things to, to learn about this team, as odd as it is for how late it is in the year. And I think this weekend is another huge test for Tennessee. And we will talk about the upcoming weekend here in just a moment when we return from break here on the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker. Would like to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We would greatly, greatly appreciate that if you could take just a few moments out of your day to go do that for us. Wes, this weekend, Tennessee has a, a big test in front of itself at Georgia. I don't think Georgia is a great baseball team. and In fact, they're a slightly better version of Mississippi State. Uh, their, their lineup, I don't think, is as good from top to bottom as Mississippi State is. Uh, and, and their numbers in SEC play don't look that good offensively. Uh, they're eighth in batting average, eighth in slugging percentage. They don't hit a lot of home runs. They don't drive in a lot of, of guys on the bases. They're 10th out of 14 in RBIs. Uh, their on-base percentage is 11th. Only two teams have scored fewer runs. Uh, they don't draw walks. They're, they're 12th out of 14 in, in walks. Uh, they don't steal whatsoever, which uh, I, I don't know that I'd necessarily just write that off. Uh, Mississippi State was a team that did not steal a lot and stole a lot against Tennessee because you can do that against Tennessee even if you're a team that doesn't steal bases. Uh, so they've only stolen five, and they're last in steal attempts. They're last in stolen bases, and they're last in steal attempts. So I will be curious to see uh, if they do try to run on Tennessee because Mississippi State was in a similar position statistically and, and ran far more than I was expecting this past weekend. Uh so really the only thing they do well uh, on offense is they don't strike out a ton. They have the third fewest strikeouts at, at 173. So they don't do a lot of great offensively, just kind of like uh, Mississippi State, although it, it is a really good lineup. And maybe this is just speaking to the depth of the SEC and, and how many good lineups are in the SEC. That Mississippi State lineup prior to Tennessee actually didn't rank all that high in, in offensive statistics during conference play. And again, I don't, I don't think that's an indictment on Mississippi State. I think that actually says more about the league as a whole and, and just how many good offenses uh, there are. But uh, Georgia, I, I don't think is from top to bottom what Mississippi State's lineup is. But they have three guys in the middle, uh, starting with their two-hole hitter, uh, Charlie Condon, and I hope I'm saying his last name correctly, mm -hmm. uh, but he's a redshirt freshman, plays right field, plays first base. Uh, he's actually chasing the team's triple crown. He's hitting 404, has 19 homers, and 57 RBIs. And if, if it weren't for Jack Caglione uh, at Florida, people would be talking about Charlie Condon more as a, a freshman, or I shouldn't say Jack Caglione, uh, Ethan Petrie yeah. at South Carolina, the, the big hoss over in Columbia. They'd be talking about this young man more. So he's in the two-hole, and then Connor Tate in left field is in the three-hole. Uh, he's second on the team in most offensive categories. He's hitting 379, 13 homers, 46 runs driven in. Uh, and then this is the most Georgia first base name of all, all time. The Georgia first baseman hits fourth, and his name is Parks Harbor, which, again, is the most it Georgia should, it, first it, it baseman name It should be Parks ever. Harbor the fourth. <laughs> he should be. He should be. Again, it's the most Georgia first baseman name of all time. I, I lived in Georgia my freshman and sophomore year of high school and, and went to high school with a bunch of Georgia fans, and, and this is the most Georgia name of all time, especially when you consider the fact that he plays first base for the dogs, but he is in the four hole. He's hit 15 homers this year. He hits 285 
Uh, and Ben Anderson, the center fielder, he's been around for a while. He's a, he's in the leadoff spot in center field. Those four guys are, are really, really good. And then there is kind of a drop-off the rest of the way. So Tennessee's pitching staff going to have to keep the top of the Georgia lineup in check. Uh, and the pitching staff for Georgia isn't that great. That That is their Achilles heel. Um, they, they've hit the most batters in the SEC during conference play. They've allowed the second most doubles, the, the fourth most earned runs allowed. Uh, they're 11th in ERA. They have a 7.23 ERA in conference play. Uh, the opposing batting average teams are hitting 284 off of Georgia pitching, which is 11th in the SEC as well. Uh, and they have the second fewest strikeouts as a pitching staff. Uh, so this is a, a weekend just like last weekend. Wes said it a moment ago going into break that this offense isn't what last year's offensive team was. And and part of that is because last year's Tennessee offense was just historic. Um, but even this Tennessee offense, e- even though it's not what LSU is or, or Florida or South Carolina, it, it's a good lineup. But this is a weekend where it should look like a great lineup like last weekend against Mississippi State. So uh, there's not a lot of things that Georgia does well. Uh, they they do play great defense. They have the second best fielding or the third highest fiel, fielding percentage uh, in SEC play. They've committed the second fewest errors, uh, only committed 11 errors during SEC play. Uh, and that's a pretty great number considering there's only three weekends left uh, of baseball in the regular season. So, uh, Wes, as long as the pitching staff performs like the pitching staff, as, as long as the, the offense shows up, which it should, against a bad Georgia pitching staff, all should go smoothly. I think the bigger questions are more stuff outside of the the statistical matchups and the righty on righty, like all that kind of like favors Tennessee. If they play up, if they show up and play their ball, things should go well. The bigger test this weekend, in my opinion, is playing on the road. They have not played on the road. They're they're one in nine, I, I believe, in conference play uh, this season. On the road, it just has has not been good whatsoever. Like they, they have to buck that trend. They're they're in the conversation to host the regional, maybe host the super regional if everything goes absolutely according to plan the rest of the year and you make a run in Hoover, maybe you're hosting a super regional. But right now it's more likely that you don't host. Right now it's most likely that you only have five home games remaining. And if if you are going to make a run in the tournament, you're going to have to win on the road. And although Georgia is not a a great baseball team and Tennessee is the better team, this is a weekend that I'm not going to say Tennessee should sweep like I did against Mississippi State because it is on the road and it's hard to win on the road. Uh, And Georgia does have some talent. They're they're capable of of beating you if if you don't play well. They've shown that uh, this season. They've beaten some good teams here and there. But they've got to show up and, and play better on the road I, I don't know how you play better on the road I don't I don't know if it's coincidence Tennessee is obviously a different team now than the last time they went on the road to Arkansas but they, they just have to figure figure it out I don't know what it is I don't know what the solution is but they, they just have to play better on the road yeah I've got just a couple of really quick thoughts on Georgia I've actually seen them quite a bit this season not like every game or anything but it just seems like they're one of those teams that when I'm flipping around, I've seen them a bunch this season. And I know this is something that people say about teams all the time when they're not very good and you're trying to say something nice about them. But seriously, go in and look at the at the schedule. Georgia has lost a lot of close games. I mean a lot of close games. They're not just getting the doors blown off. They're they're just frustratingly losing a bunch of close games. And that can happen in this league because it's a little bit can, can lose you a game. Um, I also want to say that Georgia baseball, to me, it's the most frustrating program that maybe exists anywhere in all of college sports because the amount of talent, just draw a circle around Atlanta plus like 20 or 30 miles in any direction. You could make three College World Series teams from that place. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, I know they're contending with Tech and yada, 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 but nobody always – some guys just don't want to stay home. But there is no excuse for the Georgia baseball program not being better. It is mind-boggling to me that it is what it is. But, hey, that's that's a good thing for Tennessee because that takes an opponent that on paper should every year maybe have a better roster than you, and it usually doesn't. So that's a good thing for Tennessee. But 
Uh, I, I do think also Cortland Lawson, why he didn't play for Georgia, eludes me because he had such a great Georgia baseball name. He really should have, I mean, you know, that or UVA. He could have stayed home and played for UVA. But uh, I, I do think this team, Georgia has been in a lot of games. So these games, I every time Tennessee goes to Foley Field, it seems like it's a battle. It just... I don't think anything about this weekend is going to be easy. Maybe famous last words, but I don't think anything about this weekend is going to be easy. And I think it's interesting to see, you know, and this is what Tony would do. But when we asked Vitello about it, he said, listen, you know, there haven't been that many road games this season. And, you know, I didn't think the he, he didn't think the first weekend was that terrible. They lost a couple close games. They could have had a couple, you know, really bad luck when a ball hit just a laser beam right at the Arizona third baseman. And that guy made three or four really good plays in that game. Okay, Missouri, you go there, it's 10 degrees, it sucks, nobody likes going there. Okay, you wear one there, you should never be swept, but okay. Uh, I thought against LSU, they actually played pretty decent baseball more often than not that weekend. Uh, they just lost to a team that was playing better than them and, and has a good home field advantage. Arkansas, they played okay for at times, and at times they just were not good. They just did not execute at all, and to come away from that weekend with nothing is is really disappointing because Tennessee, that shouldn't happen, but did. Um, so it, it's not like we're looking at a large sample size of, of what this team can do on the road, but what we have seen has not been good, and you you can't gloss over that. Like I just said, the nice I put that in the nicest way possible that it, it maybe hasn't been as bad as we think it's been this year on the road, but by any measure, it's been bad. And this team, we'll see about hosting all that. You know, the, the next few weeks got to play themselves out. But they're going to have to go on the road and play better baseball at some point. Because even if they, they somehow found a way to go on a heater here and they and they end up hosting a regional or super or however it goes, like they still got to go to Hoover and play, um, you know, some good teams away from home. And if they things went great, they'd have to go to, you know, Omaha and play good teams in a neutral environment. Like – they have to play better on the road. And we'll see if this kind of camaraderie that they've built, kind of gelling together, pieces coming together at the right time, this is a good test of that. Because if you go down to Georgia and Tennessee plays the way it should, Tennessee wins the series. If Tennessee goes down there and Fs around, it's going to find out. If Tennessee goes down there and and kicks the ball around, if it doesn't have good productive at-bats advancing the runners, if it doesn't make the plays that are there to be made, if it doesn't stop – for the love of God, stop throwing 0-2 pitches like they're filet mignons right over the freaking heart of the plate. Stop doing that. It's one thing to be competitive. Uh, it's another thing to to uh, aggressively challenge people. It's another thing to throw 0-2 pitches center cut. Stop doing that. If they stop doing – if they just go out there and do what they should do, they win the series. Uh, and if, if, if they go down there and play really well, they could sweep this series. They could do that. Or they could go down there – and they could, you know, lose one or two games, and or if they lose two, we're sitting here going, are they better? You know, th- those are the questions we're asking ourselves if they don't go down there and do what they can do because this is an opportunity to go on the road. There will be some Tennessee fans there. There will be, you know, it, it's, a, it's a nice place to play baseball. Um, you know, Tennessee should go down there and do pretty well. If it doesn't, it's not the end of the world, but you're still sitting there going – Guys, when are you going to turn this on away from home? You have to do it. And this is a good time to start doing it because it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to do it in two weeks. And that's why I say it's a big test because if if they go down there and lose this weekend, you're right, it will not be the end of the world. But it, it'll be hard not to think that this eight-game winning streak and the back-to-back sweeps against Vanderbilt and, and Mississippi State, it'll be hard not to think that, that was a fluke. And maybe that's too strong of a word to use because they did play great baseball against Vanderbilt. Uh, Wofford on Tuesday night. We, we haven't mentioned that yet, but that that was a dominating win over a really good baseball team yep. on Tuesday night. It, it, it was. Uh, and even uh, the, the midweek win last week, who they beat last Tuesday was it, after Vandy? Was it Western Carolina? I don't know. Who, who was it? It was – but no, Bellerman. Bellerman. Yes, Bellerman, who, oh, by the way, beat uh, Louisville. They, they beat Louisville down uh, this week. How about them apples? Good way to yeah. go, Knights. They're having a bad year. That's a big win for them. That, that is. So I, Bellerman is a bad team, but for Tennessee to, to beat Bellerman the way that it did after losing to a bad Tennessee Tech team the week prior was a nice, you know, 
not change of scenery, but a, a nice turn of events. Like they, that was a nice get right game coming off of the Vanderbilt series, given how embarrassingly bad that Tennessee Tech loss was. So, like they they built up a lot of goodwill, but it'll be hard not to to allow all that goodwill to to go down the drain if they lose this weekend. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're playing a an average at best Georgia team. A lot of experience like, though. A lot of those guys have been there for freaking ever. A lot of the guys in the heart of that lineup have been there for like four or five years. Man, they got some vets on that team. This will be a big weekend for them to prove themselves, and they'll be fired up to play. Like, you know, it, it's it, it's not a they're playing for the coach's job potentially. Like there's a lot on the line right now for Georgia too. And I think, you know, Tennessee's got to go down there and not to step on your toes, but I'm sorry, I'll get out of the way, but I just, the, I think it's going to be a tough series. Oh, it, it absolutely is. But just because it's going to be a tough series, like Mississippi state was a tough series. It, it's sec baseball. Like all these series are, are going to be tough for, for different reasons, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't win because Tennessee is by far the better baseball team. Uh, Georgia is, is average at best. And, and again, maybe that speaks more to the depth of the league than it does about Georgia uh, because D1 baseball does currently have Georgia as the last team in the NCAA tournament entering this weekend. So uh, Georgia is absolutely more than capable of sweeping Tennessee, quite frankly. They, they can. I think it's highly unlikely. Um, it, it's probably unlikely that Georgia wins the series, but it is a home series for them. They're going to be a desperate bunch because th this could be a weekend that kind of solidifies them getting into the tournament. But from the Tennessee perspective, you're the better baseball team. And like, um, I'm sorry, it'll be hard not to think that all that goodwill that, that you just spent the last two weeks building up, it'll go down the drain a little bit, uh, a good chunk of it. Like, yes, the season won't be over. It, it won't be the end of the world. Tennessee can still go on to have a great postseason. But this is a weekend, regardless of, of what Georgia is, regardless of it being on the road, you're the better baseball team. Show up and play like it. And and this is why I say it's a big test, because if they do show up and play like it, then the last two weeks truly was a turning point in their season. Uh, so I, I'm I'm very curious to see how they play on the road. I'm, I'm more curious about the external factors than the internal factors, so to speak, like the, the matchups on paper, Tennessee's pitching staff should win against Georgia's hitters, and Tennessee's hitters should win uh, against Georgia's pitching. Like the matchups on paper favor Tennessee. Now we'll see if the defense helps out Tennessee's pitchers. Uh, there, there were some instances this past weekend where it did not, after playing really well against Vanderbilt, they're still last in the SEC by a good margin in terms of fielding percentage. In, in conference play, the, the errors uh, are are not good. The, the number is very, very, very ugly. And it's the uh, infield. It's the infield. It, it, yes. The, the outfield defense has been really good since Ensley. And even Dickey. Dickey, Ensley, C. Scott, that outfield has, has been really, really good defensively since that kind of became a, a permanent thing around LSU weekend. The infield needs to be better. It, it, it's as simple as that. So that could affect things. Uh, but as long as that's not just egregious, like the the on paper matchups, I'm not really worried about. I, I'm honestly not. It's it's the external factors. It's the how do they handle playing on the road? And then the other thing, Wes, the, the last point that I wanted to talk about before we get out of here is what I just brought up. Like Georgia's going to be a desperate baseball team because again, they're the last team projected in the field as of right now by D1 Baseball, um, and. They they're they're going to be desperate because this is a weekend. It, it kind of reminds me of Tennessee basketball's final game of the regular season, going to Auburn. Auburn needed a win to solidify them getting into the tournament, and Auburn beating Tennessee got them in the NCAA tournament. This is a weekend for Georgia. If they win this weekend, they're probably in the NCAA tournament with a, a nice little cushion, I, I would think. I, I would think that they're pretty firmly in the field. So how does Tennessee handle not only playing on the road, but how do they handle playing a desperate baseball team? I, I think the easy answer to that is, well, Tennessee should be desperate too because not only are they trying to to turn their season around, 
continue to turn their season around. They need to prove that they can win on the road. But they're also fighting to host. You you want to be hosting that opening weekend. And again, if everything goes perfect, you could be hosting a super regional as well. So Tennessee should be just as desperate for different reasons, but should be just as desperate as Georgia this weekend. It should be. I mean, I I think it, it's always tough to quantify desperation because I think on the surface like Georgia is scratching and clawing for like the existence of the continuation of its season and I think it's hard to trump that in terms of like what's on the line you know like like those guys and potentially your coach's job too like there's a lot potentially on the line for for that bunch and and I think that they're that that I I would expect them to to be probably a little bit more desperate but I also think Tennessee should be a more confident baseball team uh, than Georgia I, I think what you're realizing now is is you don't want to be as comfortable as you were, you know, in, in the I guess the middle third or whatever, uh, the the final two thirds of that first game against Mississippi State. You don't want to be that relaxed. But all of a sudden, right? It, it's like when you see like Maui Ahuna start to look a little bit more like Maui Ahuna, and then you know Christian Scott ends up being starting to look like the player that that Tony Vitello thought he was. And all of a sudden, now there's a little bit more length in the lineup, right? All of a sudden, Hunter Inslee comes into center field. He's kind of solidified that big position. Like, he's not Drew Gilbert. He's not going to be Drew Gilbert, but he's a good baseball player. And he's a right-handed bat in a lineup that desperately needed a couple more right-hand sticks. The pieces are starting to fall into place. Like, when Tennessee just goes out there and does what it should do, like, accidents happen, bad games happen, you're going to lose sometimes. That's baseball, right? Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains. But... Uh, it's in Tennessee. If it rains, you still play, but you look at like just things being what they should be with this team. And we're starting to see now, Oh wait, this is why this team was supposed to be one of the best in the country, because it does have probably the deepest pitching staff in the country in terms of quality arms. It does have uh, some hitters that are just absolutely hellaciously difficult to get out. Uh, it, it, It can, it can leave the lineup, uh, at the snap of a finger through most of the lineup, right? It's still up there near the top of the country in home runs and stuff. Like, like there's still – this team is – like, we, we can sit here all day long and poke all the little flaws in this team, and they're going to be there. It's not a perfect team, but it's a really damn good team. It's a really, really good baseball team. And now that you see the pieces starting to be what they should have been from the beginning, okay, all's forgiven if, if it's there now because, you know, you'd rather be good at this time of the year. So, you know, I, I think – if they lost this series, it wouldn't like end anything, but you know, it would, it would take things in a direction you don't want to go and you don't want to mess around and go down that direction. You want to stay confident. You want to, you know, stay confident going into a big series next weekend, hosting Kentucky. That's a good opportunity for Tennessee. And then the end of the season, just an absolute banger potentially. I know Auburn, went in there and won the series this weekend and really was unfortunate not to sweep because it had that game uh, won in the finale too. But Auburn's also a desperate team. And um, Tennessee, South Carolina, the, there's going to be – that's going to be a battle to end the year. Like some 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 tough stuff's coming. So if you get an opportunity like this, no offense to Georgia, I know it's a desperate team. I know it's a talented team. Don't go down there and screw around, Tennessee. If you go down there and just play baseball the way you're capable of playing it, you're going to be fine, um, most likely. But I think it, it, it's about no matter what Georgia does, unless it's just some random Superman stuff, Tennessee just needs to show up and play the way it's capable of playing. Because if it does that with the pitching Tennessee has, there's not a series this team could potentially lose. Like if this team goes out there and pitches the way it's capable of pitching, it's going to win the series. Like most weekends, that's just how it is. They have more arms than you do. They have more dudes than you do. They just need their dudes to be dudes. They need Dolander back and healthy. That would help a lot. Uh, Burns in the bullpen's been electric. Like, you know, they got some things sorted out now, so keep it going. As long as Tennessee plays good baseball, I, I know that sounds super simple. Don't but kick it around. Don't be dumb, yeah. Yes. Don't beat yourself. I mean, it, it's really that simple. Uh, this, this particular weekend, uh, against South Carolina, LSU, Florida, teams like that, you, you, you do need to elevate your play. Um, but this weekend uh, against an average at best Georgia team, in my opinion, mm-hmm. as long as you don't beat yourself, show up and, and commit a bunch of errors and, and just go absolutely cold at the plate or the, the pitchers get absolutely attacked because we, we talked about it. I mentioned it. Wes mentioned it a moment ago. Like they, they do have some big time bats at the top of their lineup, but I don't think it's that great of a lineup from top to bottom. 
Uh, th- this is a, a matchup that Tennessee's pitchers should abs- absolutely win. So uh, as long as the, the pitchers and, and hitters don't go cold for whatever reason, Tennessee's winning this series as long as it doesn't beat itself because Tennessee is the better baseball team. Um, but they need to continue to to prove that they have turned a corner in that regard because that that's who they were the first two months of the season. That was their identity, a team with a lot of natural talent but couldn't piece it together because they continued to shoot itself in the foot. And the last two weeks, they've, they've done a pretty good job of of not doing that, which is why they've won eight in a row. So as long as they they replicate that formula, I know it sounds super simplistic, but that's that's as close to – to being where Tennessee needs to be as they are. I mean, that that's that's the recipe right now. Just don't beat yourself, and you will be fine, uh, especially this weekend against Georgia. Game one is on Friday night at 6 p.m. in Athens. Game two is on Saturday at 2 p.m., and game three on Sunday is at 1 p.m. All games will be streamed on SEC Network Plus this weekend. I will be down there for coverage, so I encourage you to keep up on the site, as you all always do, and we certainly Always appreciate the support. And Wes, the the last thing I got for you on the way out the door is as frustrating as this baseball team has been at times this year, there's one thing that you can say for certain. You could be an Alabama baseball fan. Yeah, there was no way we were not going to mention that, man. Woof. Woof. I'm glad to hear that hopefully the players weren't involved. That that that's good news. But yeah, that's that's <laughs> there's a lot to be said about it. Everyone's innocent until proven guilty in this country, but man, betting base. Ugh, ugh, how, man, how, 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 why, why, how just whew, you, well said, Ben, you could be a lot worse. Just gambling at the wrong place at the wrong time. Brad Bohannon <laughs> was, I mean, you, you just got to be smarter about where you gamble wrong place, wrong time. That's true. Uh, but, yeah, that, that that's quite the sequence. And all Alabama has done is through five, six innings is is begin to thump Vanderbilt in Tuscaloosa tonight. Uh, I'm sure VFL Chris Burke is enjoying having that call tonight. Rally around the flag, man. I mean, people, you can rally around the flag, right? You, you, you uh, In this league, man, everybody's got enough talent to put it on you. No matter what's going on, it's always a good reminder. Look at some scores in this league week to week. Ask South Carolina last week, Auburn going to town. Like, if you let up just a little bit, I don't care who you're playing in this league. Hell, ask Tennessee going to Missouri. You go out there and, and, and you screw around, you're going to find out, man. This league is it's not for the weak. It is not. Uh, Missouri, who is now uh, not currently projected to make it to Hoover after sweeping Tennessee, they have five SEC wins, and three of them were were opening <laughs> what, weekend. What a world. What a world. Yes, what a world. And South Carolina is a little banged up right now, uh, and I, I think that contributed to, to Auburn having some success. But, yes, Auburn's a, a good team. And the crazy thing about the Brad Bohannon and Alabama baseball situation is, like, they are firmly in the NCAA tournament. As as of right now, and they got that, that their freshman lefty is one of my absolute favorite players in all of college baseball. I don't know if you've seen him yet. Uh, they, they got a freshman lefty runs it up there like you know upper nineties, wicked wicked. He he made Trey he he jelly legged Trey Morgan like I've never seen Trey Morgan get jelly legged. It that dude is nasty man. I love SEC baseball. It's it's uh, it's good to see, and it's good to see those Bama kids are still playing because that's <sighs> tough times. Yeah, my Bama buddies that I went to high school with, they, they've been texting in, in the group chat saying that uh, they look relieved that Brad Bohannon is, is no longer the the coach. And, and there's been some weird stories to come out of out of Tuscaloosa yeah, and, and yeah. with Brad Bohannon the, the last couple of months. There's a former player suing him, I, I think, and been a been a weird uh, fit there, or was a weird fit, I, I guess you could say. But seems like uh, the players are, are relieved that he's no longer the coach, which uh, tells you all you need to know about that situation. Wes, certainly appreciate you. It's uh, the best time of the year. You mentioned how much you love SEC baseball. I'm right there with you. And this is the time of the year for SEC baseball. Three more weekends of regular season action. Then we'll be in Hoover. And then it is NCAA tournament time. And the, the, the road to Omaha begins. So this is the best time of the year. And we appreciate your time here. There's that button. And now I can say, Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 
on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, uh, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, nobody, and I mean nobody covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.